Blog Talk Radio. This is Marcy Ann, and today I'm going to talk about working and not working, working at a job or thinking about retirement. Now, before I started my wedding business, which I did for 22 years, I was very contentedly working for a retired gentleman as his housekeeper. It was in the traditional English sense of things. I mean, if you've watched Masterpiece Theater, you would know what I mean. Because I was in charge of his estate. I hired and managed all of the workers, the gardeners, the cleaning staff, the contractors and subcontractors who kept the house and the buildings repaired. I regularly talked with his attorney, his accountant who paid all the bills, and his investment counselor who handled his fortune. I got to cook for him, (laughs) and I made it my own personal challenge to prepare something every day for him to eat that he had never had before. And in order to fulfill this challenge, I would go to the library and study cookbooks from all over the world. I, I went to specialty grocery stores to find all the different foods from all the different countries of the world. And at that time, uh, the Los Angeles Times just had wonderful recipes every week. And I fixed almost all of them. (laughs) And I would always prepare a special menu for him and place it by the side of his plate so that he would know what it was he was having and where it came from and how I had fixed it. He just loved this. His daily meals were just a very exciting time for him every day. When he first hired me, he said, I don't want you to ever ask me what I want for dinner. (laughs) And I never did. And I always had something that was different and wonderful for him. His favorite meat was lamb. And I still fix a lamb stew for friends. It's my special uh, recipe that I had gotten out of the Los Angeles Times years ago, which is a South African way of fixing lamb stew that is just absolutely delicious. And if you email me at www.marcian.com, I'll send it to you. Well, this retired gentleman was the person who went up to Tacoma, Washington as a young man just out of college, and while he was on vacation up there, he found this little bakery that had a recipe for healthy bread, and they had called it Roman Meal Bread. Well, it was his marketing idea to use movie stars to show that if you ate Roman Meal Bread, it would give you a tiny waist. And I'm sure maybe many of you have all seen the pictures of a pretty lady with a tape measure around her waist, showing how tiny her waist is, and showing her eating a slice of Roman meal bread. Well, he made a deal with the owners to market their bread around the world. And he was the the man who thought up the idea of broadcasting the baseball games on radio. 
and to have sponsors to pay for the radio time. And Roman Meal Bread was one of the very first sponsors. Now, his deal was that he would get two cents for every loaf of bread that was sold. Well, you know what? That eventually amounted to over $5 million. So don't look down your noses at small beginnings. If you're just getting a minimum wage right now, just put your pedal to the metal and make yourself totally indispensable to that company, and you can climb up, climb up the ladder to the top. Now, if you need some encouragement, I want to tell you three stories. These are true stories of real people. When I first moved to California, I had my own writing office in San Diego. And 50% of my business at that time was preparing resumes for people who were either looking for a new job or were being promoted at their current job and needed an updated resume for their personnel file. Now, these three stories I'm going to tell you are absolutely true. These are real people, and each of them was being promoted within their company and needed a new resume for their personnel file. Now, the first person had started working at a popcorn stand at his local movie theater while he was in high school. Now, when he graduated from high school, he, he was asked by the theater <clears throat> if he would be interested in being the manager of the popcorn stand, concession. And so he did. And eventually he became the assistant manager of the theater and then manager of the theater. And now he was being promoted to be the new manager of a new nine-plus theater in San Diego. Now, the second man had started working at the bank as a teller. Now, he did have a college education, but he had to start his career in finance as a teller. And eventually he was moved to to presenting security investments to the bank's clients, and then he became assistant manager, and now he was being placed as the manager of the bank. And the third man started working as a busboy in a local restaurant while he was in high school. And after he graduated from high school, he became a server. Then he became assistant manager and then manager of that particular restaurant. And now he was being placed as the regional manager for this company where he will be in charge of seven restaurants in his region. Now, you know what? These are all two-cent-a-loaf beginnings but they all added up to a successful career. They might have started out at minimum wage, but they became into management with CEO possibilities. And maybe they're not making $5 million, but having a career that is valuable, that contributes to society, and makes you an independent, self-supporting person who doesn't need public welfare, that's valuable. In fact, you would be paying into 
the public welfare fund when you pay your taxes. And you might get a different idea about public welfare if you do, because you'll see 36% of the money you pay in taxes going to people who don't want to work and who seem to think that they were born into retirement. (laughs) You perhaps will look at them a little differently. Hey, you guys, get a two-cent-a-loaf job. Stop taking my tax money to sit on your butt and play video games. I can use that 36% of my money to get some of the stuff I want. Okay, so this retired gentleman called me into the living room one one evening to discuss our future together, and he said, Marcy, I have enough money to stay in this home until I die, and I don't want to have to go to the hospital for anything. I want to stay here in my home, and whatever I need, I want to have brought to me here. So will you stay with me and take care of me until I die? If so, I will leave you $50,000 in my will. Now, at this point in time, he was 95 years old, and I was 62. I had already started my wedding business then, but it wasn't big enough to support me. It just provided, you know, some nice and easy cash on the weekends, $150 here and there. I was just doing ceremonies at that time. So I said to him, let me think about it. And I took a couple days to review my life. Now, I had made some really bad decisions regarding men, (laughs) which is how I ended up being a housekeeper for this gentleman in the first place. But he lived in a gorgeous home on the ocean in Southern California. (laughs) And I was good at running his house. I had my own room and a private entrance, and I had a very good salary. And I thought, well, I wonder how long he's going to live, maybe a year, maybe three years, maybe five years. But if chances of him living more than five years were slim, I figured, and I would be 67, and I would get $50,000. And at that time, it seemed to me, that that was a fantastic amount of money. How could I make any more than that doing anything else? I mean, that's how limiting my thinking was at that time. So I decided to do it. I called his attorney to make an appointment for him to change the will. And the attorney said he would need to have an appointment with the elderly gentleman to determine if this was indeed what he wanted to do and that he was in his right mind. So I took him to the appointment, and I waited out in the waiting room for two hours. And finally, the attorney came out, and he said, well, I am confident that he knows exactly what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. So do you agree to take care of him for the rest of his life in exchange for your current employment situation plus $50,000? And I said, yes. So the process of preparing the paperwork began. And here's where the story gets interesting. It's a real revelation about money and who gets what. At the time, he also decided to change the will to, to uh, at the time he was going to change the will to accommodate our agreement, he also wanted to change the trustee of the trust 
from his niece's husband to his accountant. So in order to do this, the attorney needed to call his niece and her husband and ask them to come into the office so he could discuss the changes. Well, of course, then they found out that they, that he was going to leave me $50,000. And they also found out that they weren't going to be the trustee and also that they were not going to get the $50,000 that was now going to go to me, although they were still going to get the $5 million of the estate. But can you imagine? They couldn't let $50,000 go to me. So they sequestered this elderly gentleman. I'm sure they told him lies about me. And they fired me by putting a letter on my door that had been signed by Mr. Uh, S, but had been prepared by the attorney in advance, which would give them the power of attorney for a time when he might be considered unable to handle his affairs anymore. Well, I immediately called the attorney and told him, and he said, I've already heard about this, and because I am Mr. S.'s attorney, I cannot actually give you any advice. I can only tell you that you were hired at will employment, and you can be dismissed without notice or any compensation. Well, this was five minutes to five on Friday night, and I was supposed to vacate the premises by midnight. Well, I went to the main entrance of the home, and I tried my key, and it didn't work. They had changed the locks. And I pounded on the door, and a strange person came to the door to open it, and I said, Who are you? And he said, I am Mr. S.'s nephew. Well, I had heard Mr. S. tell me a lot of stories about this nephew. Clearly, he didn't approve of anything the boy did. Lazy gold digger is, is what he called him. And now this lazy gold digger was in charge of his house? Who knew where they had put Mr. S.? I later found out that in Texas, this is called elder abuse, and it's a felony in Texas. I don't know how it's handled here in California. Well, I said to this boy, look, I am Marcianne, and I am Mr. S.'s housekeeper, and I have things in this house that belong to me, and I need to get them, and I demand that you let me get my things. Well, he seemed kind of rattled, not knowing what to do, but I must have spoken to him in my seraphim voice, and he let me in. So I gathered up my stuff, and I told him, I said, you can tell whoever is in charge of this takeover that I have no place to go, and I will be staying here in my room until I can make other arrangements. This is the United States of America, and you can't just put someone out on the street. And I stormed out of there and went to my room. Well, the short part of this story is that I found a room to rent in a senior community where I live now. And by the first of the week, I had made arrangements to move all of my stuff to the new room. You know, here in California, we have the Mexicans. (laughs) They congregate in certain areas that we all know. And when you need somebody to help you do something, you just go to one of these areas and you can hire a worker. Most of them can't speak English, but they understand $10 an hour. 
and they hop in your car, and they do a wonderful job. So I was easily moved into my new room. But now here I am, unemployed, 62 years old. So I applied for early Social Security, and on my way home from the Social Security office where I had been waited where I had been waited on by people who could hardly speak the English language. I couldn't believe it. I thought, what country am I in? But I saw a huge sign at my bank, help wanted. So I immediately went in to see the manager, and I nearly, literally got down on my hands and knees and begged him to give me that job. I said to him, I have to have this job. I have to have it. I promise you I will be the best person who has ever worked at this bank if you will give me this job. He looked at me, and I saw compassion come into his eyes, but I also saw a conflict of his own self-interest. It was against his self-interest, better judgment, to hire me. I was too old. The old guys who come into that bank don't want to talk to an old woman They want to go see the young girls with the big boobs. And I'm sure that the employment rules and regulations of the bank pretty much dictated that he was not supposed to give me that job. But he did. And I am forever grateful to you, Steve, wherever you are today. Thank you. Thank you. I worked there for two years while I developed my wedding business. And I would watch with my own eyes as those old guys would just let someone else go in front of them so they didn't have to come to me so they could go to the girl next to me with the big boobs. And I know about those meetings in the morning before the bank opens. We would sit in this room with no windows, just a huge blackboard on the wall that had all of our names on it and how many accounts we had opened that week. And what happened at Wells Fargo recently is not a new thing at all because I worked at the bank more than 15 years ago, and every day we were pressured pressured to open new accounts. This was back when the banks were just beginning to offer direct deposit, and I was supposed to talk to these old people (laughs) into having their Social Security check deposited by direct deposit. But these seniors who had worked for that Social Security and were not, you know, they didn't want to have to do direct deposit now that they were retired. They wanted to get that check every month and hold it in their hands. This gave them a sense of value. Oh, I worked for this money, and now I'm going to go to the bank and deposit it into my account. And going to the bank was a big social affair for them every month. They would get out and see people and socialize. They didn't want direct deposit. And when I would suggest that they could have a credit line attached to their account, which would cover any bad check that they wrote, they looked at me astonished and pretty much insulted. Woman, I have never written a bad check in my whole life. So I was always the last man on the totem pole on the blackboard selling accounts. First of all, the old guys wanted to go to the young girls. And secondly, seniors were a hard sell for all of those newfangled accounts the bank was offering. 
But you know what? Mashad, who was the teller next to me, a beautiful girl with big boobs from Iran, she could just wind those old guys around her finger and get them to do anything she wanted. She was always number one on the blackboard. I still go to that bank today, and one of the girls who worked there when I worked there still works there, although that young manager has now risen to high finance with Chase Bank. But Sharon sees what my position is now. She sees how much money I have in my personal account. And to her, I am the phoenix who has risen from the dead, one step away from living my car under a bridge to owning and living in my own home in the retirement community, with enough money that I earned from my wedding business that is now invested in America, paying me dividend income, plus a small amount of Social Security, not which I am entitled to, but which I earned by working for 50 years as a woman in different kinds of low-paying support positions to men who were running the world back then, and I might add still are, However, you know what? Now I have both Heinz and Kraft stocks (laughs) and also waste management in my portfolio. And my stockbroker and I just laugh about it because, you know what, people are always going to put ketchup on their French fries. They're always going to eat macaroni and cheese, and they're always going to have trash. And I recently bought Disney because the Star Wars empire is making Disney just gobs of money. And I invested in a cemetery stock that pays 8%. People are always going to die. And before they do, they can go to the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. (laughs) Well, I retired this year. And I must say that going into retirement is a very unsettling experience. Getting up every day now with no business to run. However, I am retired as far as the life of a woman is concerned. Because when I first moved to the retirement community where I live, it didn't take me long to observe that, yes, the men were retired. They were playing golf and fishing and going to the pool and sitting around the clubhouse jawing with the good old boys. But the women, all of the women who were married to these men, they were still cooking and cleaning and doing laundry. Where did they, when did they get to retire? You know, my sister's husband just retired, and guess what? She's still getting up at 6.30 in the morning and fixing him his healthy breakfast. Home-cooked steel cutouts with homemade granola and fresh fruit, home-baked nutritious muffins and special baked breads. She does have a cleaning lady who helps her keep their 7,000-foot home clean, but she is the one doing the laundry, carrying those baskets of dirty sheets and blankets up and downstairs to the laundry and out into the garage and back up again. And she's now becoming a caregiver as her husband has been diagnosed with a lung condition that requires constant monitoring as well as a heart condition that's not responding to treatment. He didn't have any of this while he was working. I think sometimes we're so busy we don't realize that stuff is happening and then when we slow down and begin to have time on our hands, we begin to be aware of conditions that that then seem to exaggerate. Because I watch the people in this retirement community community where I live get weaker and weaker using canes and walkers and finally wheelchairs. 
However, retirement for a woman is kind of a bad joke. I mean, a woman never retires as a woman. Now, when I saw this, when I first moved here, my first goal in my business was to pay off my house. And then secondly, my next goal was to retire. No more cooking, doing dishes, laundry, or cleaning. Now, this goal also precludes me from having a boyfriend because all older men are used to having the woman take care of them and cook and clean and do the laundry. But my cleaning lady cleans my two-bedroom, two-bath home, and she also does my laundry. Uh, I don't have, uh, I haven't cleaned a bathroom since 1994 because I supervised the cleaning ladies at Mr. S's, and now Ernestine has been cleaning my bathrooms for me since 2001 when I moved to the retirement community. I probably am one of just a few women who has actually retired in the fullest sense of the word. I mean, having been in the wedding business for 20 years, I certainly know about how most women want to meet Mr. Wright and have a life together with their true love, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health and for the rest of her life. But cooking and cleaning and doing laundry is part of that scenario that the woman has for the rest of her life. So most women are never going to retire. However, since I did retire this year from running my own business, I can speak directly to my own experience with dealing with retirement. And I think I could speak to my sister's husband if he'd listen to me about the lung condition and the heart palpitations that he's now experiencing since he retired, because I think it hit me early on, perhaps the first week I was retired. Oh, my gosh, I didn't make any money this week. You know, it begins to press in on you. Oh, my gosh, the amount of money I have now is all I'm ever going to have. There's no new business coming in. There's no credit card deposits today. There's no checks in the mail. There's no deposits into PayPal. The money I have in my investment portfolio is all I have now. You know, and you kind of catch your breath. You scrunch up your shoulders like you're trying to hold yourself and tell yourself it's going to be okay. And then the heart palpitations start because the rhythm of your heart reacts to that fear brooding in your head, which is causing your lungs to breathe shallowly and haltingly and the flow of energy Oxygen's being affected, and now the heart is palpitating. Oh, yes, I know the feeling well. And it doesn't help to try to listen to the news, to try to find out how everything's going in the economy or whether the Fed's going to raise interest rates or how many new homes are being built or how many cars were sold last month, the price of gold or oil. Why do they tell us that every day? And, of course, we have no idea what the effect of terrorism really is. I do know that after 9-11, my son-in-law had to close down his trade show business because he wasn't capitalized enough to withstand six months of no business until things started to move again. And at 50 years old, he had to take a job doing cold calling in a phone room for a decorating company struggling to keep providing for his family to keep his home and to have food on the table. He also is the phoenix who has risen because he now is the design manager for the largest trade show company in the the world. And his clients today are Microsoft, Coca-Cola, 
Nestle's, and Fender Guitar. When you are down, the only way to go is up. And if you stay focused and do what you have to do, be faithful and true, and never give up, never turn back, you will rise again. And now he's looking towards retirement, you know, that elusive, mystical land of enchantment that awaits everyone at the end of the rainbow. Well, I can tell you that retirement also brings with it a sense of loss, a sense of emptiness. Where is that daily sense of fulfillment, of being needed and being creative day to day? offering solutions to customers, making them happy, and getting paid for it. There's a rhythm and an order to working. There's a time to get up each morning and a morning ritual to get ready for work, the trip to work, through familiar neighborhoods. Oh, the folks are putting up their Christmas decorations and seeing the people at work, having meetings, meeting deadlines, accepting the challenges and feeling good about your ideas. And now all that is over. I was talking to a man at the pool one day, and he had this look on his face, kind of a far away look. He said, I need a project. <laughs> well, I decided to qualify to drive for Uber. And when I feel that sense of emptiness or accomplishment, I go get in my car, turn on the Uber app, and take people places. And my last trip was so much fun. Two handsome guys had flown into John Wayne Airport here in Orange County, and they were staying at the Hilton at the airport, and they wanted to go to the Mission Viejo Country Club, and they were all dressed up. And I said, I'll bet you guys are going to a wedding. And they said, yep, we both went through college with the groom. So we started talking wedding stuff while I flew down the freeway to the beautiful country club, where I indeed had also done several weddings there myself. And I also answer the phone and take orders two days a week for the florist that I had worked for when I was doing my weddings. And it's so much fun to take her orders. At least I'm making some money for someone else. But she pays me 10% of what I sell, which is usually around 15 or $20 a day. But the first week I answered the phone for her, I sold one order for $80. So she sent me a check for $8. And I took it to my Chase Bank to cash it. And excitedly, you know, I told that young man in his crisp navy blue suit with a white shirt and red, white, and blue tie, obviously a recent graduate, college graduate on that fast track of a finance career with Chase Bank, who I knew had been in that sales meeting that morning before the bank opened and was looking for someone to set up a new account for, so I told him, I just got a new job, and they pay me a commission on my sales. And this is my first check. I am so excited. Well, this young man's face with that big what-can-I-do-for-you-today smile on it never changed at all. He just kept smiling at me as he cashed that $8 check. How would you like your cash? He politely asked. I'm sure he had my story to tell in the break room later that day. 
This crazy lady was excited about cashing her $8 commission check. (laughs) So that's what my show is all about today. Two cents a loaf can make $5 million, and an $8 commission check fills the need to be needed and appreciated when you retire. And the secret to a happy retirement is accept what your income is and live within this income. Because I think some people think that they still have to live at the level of life they had while they were working. I think this is the goal that most people set for their retirement. But a lot of statistics today say that a lot of the baby boomers haven't a clue about how they're going to retire. And there's a lot of other statistics that say that most pension funds are not really funded because it's alarming how many Fortune 500 companies have dumped their retirement programs onto the federal government. You know, the federal government, Mr. Magic Money Machine, because my friend Linda's retirement program was dumped onto the federal government when United Airlines went bankrupt. And now she only gets 60% of what she thought she was going to get, with today's prices being at an all-time high. And my friend John at the pool, who was a union iron worker, just yesterday got a letter from the union saying that the union trust fund is at a state of insolvency. And they included a chart in the letter that shows how much the union trust fund has and how much it owes. And the debt was twice as much as the income. And they were advising him that at some point he would not be getting his pension anymore. What does an 80-year-old man do at that point? He worked all his life and paid his union dues, and now he isn't going to get his pension anymore? The letter said that the insolvency began to happen back in the 2008 real estate market crash when the trust lost a lot of money, which told me that they apparently had funds invested in those bad mortgages. And then the other reason for the insolvency is that there are not as many iron workers today that are paying union dues. What about your pension fund? How secure is it? And perhaps it would be meaningful for you to consider now what type of lifestyle you would like to have when you stop working, or perhaps you could consider that you're never going to stop working. (laughs) You know, in looking back over all the events of my life, I think that the time that I lived in a room with all of my worldly belongings in that room, I think it was one of my most valuable experiences. You know, you can get life really, really simple because how much of anything is enough? I still only have two pairs of shoes, my thongs that I use to go to the pool, (laughs) and my other pair of shoes, which takes me everywhere else. And in looking at your ability to accept a certain level of income, remember, you can still work if you want to. Walmart will hire you as a greeter. Walmart will hire anyone who wants to work. You can drive for Uber. Or Amazon.com is always also getting ready to offer real-time, one-hour delivery of any item you order through Amazon.com. You could be the first person in your area to sign up to do that. 
And once you're secure in your ability to continue to be independent and self-sufficient in your retirement, you won't be developing lung problems or heart palpitations. You can be relaxed and begin to enjoy your retirement. Of course, unless you're a woman. (laughs) And if you're a woman, a woman never really retires. A woman is a woman is a woman. The man needs the woman more than the woman needs the man. And a man goes from his mother to his girlfriend to his wife and then back to his wife being his mother. The woman renders the full range of the feminine attributes from cradle to grave. Woman never retires. So that's my show for today. Just a lot of ways to think and look at this business of working and and being retired. And until next time, this is Marcianne.